0: Lynn Hiles Ministries presents, Dr. Lynn Hiles, That You Might Have Life. And here's your host, Dr. Lynn Hiles.
1: I want to welcome you back to the program today. And as you can see, we have a guest on with us today. And uh, I don't know if you'd call him a guest. He ought to be a regular. He's my oldest son. And he pastors a great church in Winchester, Virginia, Uh, If you're in the Northern Virginia area, you owe it to yourself to go buy one of their services. They meet at a restaurant on Sundays, uh, a restaurant called Sweet Nola's. You can uh, go to their website for directions. And uh, it's good to have him on the program with me today. Good to be here. One of the things that, uh, you know, uh, he's got such a grip on some of this uh, that we're going to talk about today in uh, Hebrews 11 that we just decided we would just come on together and share some things. But, uh, you know, over the last several weeks, of course, you that have followed us, uh, you know that we have uh, literally uh, been teaching the book of Hebrews now for something like uh, a number of weeks. We're going to start with chapter 11 today. But uh, last week when we were talking about the 10th chapter of Hebrews, we were talking about how this book of Hebrews, of course, is about Hebrews that were crossing over out of this time, not a Uh, a physical bondage, but out of a spiritual bondage into a spiritual promised land which was rest in the finished work of Jesus Christ. This book really has some relevance to first century Christians because it was written to these Hebrews about 30 some years into the new covenant. They're being pressured, of course, to go back to Judaism, go back to animal sacrifice, go back to circumcision, go back to the Levitical priesthood. It was upon the heels of that that uh, he says in the 10th chapter, we we, we concluded kind of last week with this, that in the 10th chapter he said uh, to them, uh, you know, if you sin willfully, and uh, in other words, if you miss the mark on purpose. Now this wasn't a sin like I had a bad thought last night or I did something, but they were going to miss the mark of the new covenant and go back to Judaism. And Paul is admonishing these Hebrews not to go back, because He's saying to them, if you go back and you sin willfully, then you are going to have to walk back over the blood of Jesus and do despite to the Spirit of grace In order to do that, and if you do that, you are uh, treasuring up for yourself wrath against the day of judgment. Of course, we know, since you've listened to me for some time, that the wrath he was talking about was not some way distant future, but what would occur in A.D. 70 and the destruction of that system. So he's saying to them, uh, don't go back. And he's warning them and admonishing them. And then he concludes by saying, you know, we're confident that you are not of them who draw back unto perdition, but you who believe to the saving of the soul. There was a salvation about to be revealed there in the last time. It was upon that that He begins to set the stage for the 11th chapter of Hebrews because He's pointing them away. He's trying to get them now to refocus. By pointing them to the 11th chapter of Hebrews, uh, He is pointing them to their heroes of faith because this new covenant was based on the same substance that, uh, like the Abrahamic covenant was, on faith. So he's trying to get them to look away from their immediate circumstances. He's trying to get them to focus on their heroes of faith to inspire them to go on into this new covenant, into this kingdom reality. And uh, he's telling them don't draw back to perdition. And so let me just say this as well. If you've missed any of these programs, you can go back to our YouTube channel and watch them at your leisure and it'll bring you up to date in what we're sharing also. Our our iTunes podcast is there. The simplest way to do any of that is simply to go to my website at linhiles.com, and there's a direct link there to our YouTube or to our iTunes uh, page and also an RSS feed for the audio portions. So you can go back and refresh your memory if you missed any of the programs. But it's upon the heels of that that he opens the 11th chapter, and this is what he says. He said, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, it's the evidence of things not seen. In other words, what he's saying to them is that everything that these men, these heroes of faith that uh, he's pointing them to, everything that they did or built in the visible realm was a picture of the redemptive work of Christ, In other words, he was pointing them to what this shadow was a substance of. In other words, the old covenant, you know, was the shadow, this is the substance. Mm -hmm. And so they were, and and we'll get into the details of this in just a moment, but uh, in other words, for instance, a real easy one is he says, by faith Abraham offered up Isaac his son. Well, that's just, you know, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to figure out that's a powerful picture of, you know, God offering up His only begotten Son to give us redemption. And so he said these men did that by faith because they were hoping for something that would come that was in their distant future. But for us now, we're not hoping for something in the distant future. We're not believing because we think God is going to do something. We believe because He already has done something. So now faith has a substance, and that substance is Christ. And it, you know, they were looking for it. He said, by faith the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of the things which do appear. So they were doing something in the visible realm that was a picture of the redemptive work of Christ that would reaffirm to them that they were going to step into this new covenant. And he then begins in chapter 12, Not to be a whole uh, separate segment, but he says now in chapter 12, after he points them to their heroes of faith, he said, now lay aside the weight and the sin that does so easily beset us, and look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. So what he's saying is the sin that besets us is again, not something you did on Saturday night. The sin that was besetting them was they were wanting to go back to Judaism. And the weight that they were carrying was that of that old covenant law and performance base. And he's saying, you need to look away from that now and look unto Jesus, who is the author and finisher of our faith. It's good to have you on the program. Jeremy, jump in there and share some things with
0: me. Well, you know, I've been teaching, we've been teaching Hebrews in our uh, Sunday morning service. And uh, of course, we've only got about chapter six so far uh... but i've been also looking at it because he starts in about chapter three or so and begins to talk about uh... joshua brought them across you know he begins to talk about joshua bringing them to the land of promise but he said you know if that was the rest that they were looking for that joshua wouldn't have said been looking for another day mm-hmm. you know and so you know okay. i have been i've been, I w- been paralleling uh, the book of hebrews a little bit to where uh... the report that when uh... Abraham, or uh, moses sent 12 spies into the promised land, and 10 of them brought back an evil report, two of them brought back, Joshua and Caleb, a report that said, we're well able to take the land, and they began to talk, you know, the the children of Israel, because of their unbelief, you know, Hebrews will talk about this about chapter three, that they didn't enter into the promised land, a whole generation died in the wilderness because of unbelief. Uh, They refused to believe the report that they could take the land, that the inhabitants, their, their, uh, their fight had already gone out of them. They'd already believed they were uh, defeated. And so uh, a whole generation, there was 40 years they spent in the, in the wilderness, uh, you know, where a generation died off because mm-hmm. of unbelief and another generation had to come on the scene that Joshua could lead into the Promised Land. And I've been paralleling Hebrews to that report of Joshua and Caleb, he's giving them a report of what the Promised Land, you know, not a piece of real estate, but as we preach, Jesus, and yeah. this new covenant is, and what that life it looks like, and he's writing it to a 40-year generation that takes place from when Jesus says, this generation in Matthew 24 will not pass until all these things be fulfilled. And so the writer of Hebrews is giving a report of everything that's better about the new covenant or the new promised land we're about to enter mm-hmm. in and cross into. And so he starts here and he says, you know, uh, he begins to give uh, in chapter eleven, he begins to give the the the, the pictures of faith. You know mm-hmm. of you know by faith Abraham sac- he took uh, Isaac up into the mountain. By faith uh, Cain or Abel built a better made a better sacrifice than that of Cain. And really, you know, when we when you were talking about it, and I was looking at it and just kind of filtering it even through things I've been teaching. It reminds me of when uh, Joshua takes the children of Israel across the Jordan River, and as the priests are standing in the middle of that Jordan, he says to them. He says to the elders, take out 12 stones from amongst the the river and stack them up on the other side so that when a future generation comes and says, what means these stones, you can tell them about the wilderness journey, about how you came out of the bondage of of Egypt, and that you can tell them how God victoriously brought us into the promised land and did everything he said he would do. And this really reminds me of chapter 11 of that that parallel of a story of we're going back here and we're talking about the heroes of faith who did not receive their promise mm-hmm. in the time of their living, but was pointing to a day uh, of, a better, of a better covenant, mm-hmm. of a better day, of a better promised land. And so he begins to give them the stones or the monuments that we now read as a generation that's living in a promised land, that's living in a time where the kingdom of God is alive and well in the world and being able to say, okay, what means these stones? What means the things that the Old Testament talked about then? I mean, if we're not under the law, if we're not under that old covenant system, then what did those stories mean and what our, is the significance for us? And so it's really, to me, a picture of the monument that Joshua set up in his day to point back to us and say, what means these stones? What means these, these heroes of faith? What means these things that we read in the Old Testament if it's not a picture of how we're supposed to live, how we're under a law system, we're not under an old covenant, but what it means to live in this new covenant or this new promised land. Mm-hmm. And so really when I, like I said, I begin to look at the book of Hebrews from that report of Joshua and even some parallels of Joshua's day to be able to go, okay, there's some things that these mean. When he talks about these heroes of faith, they mean something more than just where we've taught it as here's, here's the process of how you live your life. In other words, we can't preach, you know, Moses or uh, uh, Abraham taking his son up into the wilderness of something that we live you know because we're not going to take our kids up into a mountain and and sacrifice and God's not going to even ask that of us this day but so there has to mean so so that has to mean something to us Mm -hmm. other than here's a pattern of something that we do but it's pointing to something better and like you said it, it doesn't take a rocket science to realize that this is a picture of Christ that that even God took his son as a sacrifice for the sacrifice of sin to remove sin from the world and that we are now living in a place that the promise you know because after that then the promise uh, we realize that that uh, Isaac was the promised son. Yeah, he was the one that God prom you know was promised to Abraham. You have a seed, and that seed will be like the sands of the seashore and like the stars of the heaven, and that I will give them a land that they would dwell in. And so we look at that as that that's a picture of Christ. That mm-hmm. we are now that we are now, even though we are not natural Jews, we are the seed of of Abraham. Jesus. We are yeah. the seed of Christ. Yeah. You know, and so and then heirs with Christ, and mm-hmm. that able to receive that that land that He promised us, or that, you know, the new covenant they
1: promised. Mm -hmm. Well, the whole, you know, the whole thing that I've been saying too is that, you know, Jesus didn't come to make more promises. He came to deliver on the ones that were already made. He was the fulfillment of the Abrahamic promise. He was the fulfillment of the Davidic promise, he was the fulfillment of the land promise, mm-hmm. because you know in, in Hebrews four again we see that that uh, the promised land was more than just a piece of real estate; it was rest in the finished work of Jesus Christ. And we're going to get into some of the particulars mm-hmm. of each one of these stories as we go down through here, because we've got all the time we want with the, okay. with, the with the camera here. Usually, we like like we're in one service and you've got to stuff it all in. Mm-hmm. But uh, I want to say something before you go on because. You know uh, that, like you said, Jesus gave the prophecy, and I've talked this some earlier in this segment. But Jesus gave the prophecy in Matthew 24, this generation won't pass until all these things come to pass. And it was exactly 40 years from the time Jesus gave that prophecy until the temple was destroyed in A.D. 70. So that 40-year gap there is the, tr- the, the the crossing over period for the Hebrews. Yes. So the book of Hebrews is written in 60, I, I don't know, 64 well, to 64 67. 60, yeah. 67 A.D., somewhere in that range, just a few years before the temple would be destroyed. And of course, 2 Corinthians 10 said everything that happened to them under Moses happened to them as examples for us upon whom the ends of the ages had come. And I taught this again in a prior segment, but the ends of the ages is not our future. It was the ends of those, uh, it was the end, that was the back end of the old covenant age and the front end of the new covenant age. And there was a lap over 40 years there. And that's where the ends of the ages had come upon this first century church. And these Hebrews, we, we, we've got to really begin to emphasize audience relevance. Yep. But uh, before we move on, I, I, I wanted to lay that out. But I wanted, you, you said something when we were in Phoenix together preaching about the giants yeah. and stuff in the, and, and I wanted you to that really, really impacted a lot of people, and I want you to just kind of capitalize on that just for a moment, well, even see. though we're, we're kind of going back to Hebrews 3 and 4, but there's going to be some promised land stuff uh, here absolutely. in Hebrews 11.
0: Well, when we talked about, you know, that uh, because like i said we were talking about that it's a report when Mm -hmm. joshua and caleb came back they were carrying the fruits of the land they were carrying the grapes Mm -hmm. on their shoulders and the promise to them was i'm going to give you vineyards you did not plant and houses you did not build and uh... but the the ten that brought back the evil report they said well there's giants in the land the sons of Anak are there and that we are grasshoppers in our own eyes so we will be in theirs and I really, you know, we, we've talked, we talk about that all the time, and it really never hit me that they were carrying this food. It was, a, it was a cluster of grapes that they had took two men to carry. On a pole between them. On a pole between them. And uh, what really hit me was is that it was giant food. In other words, it was, you know, we talk about that they were, I've heard people say, you know, it was giant, they were big food. But really, if it's houses that we did not build and vineyards we did not plant and there's, there's giants in the land, what it really, it's literally saying is, it is literally giant food. In other words, this food, these vineyards that were planted had to be big enough to feed giants. And the houses that were built there were, had to be big enough to house giants. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't something small. It wasn't something, you know, just that you get by. It was something that was more than enough. In other words, I, you know, I said down in Phoenix when we were there that, you know, what happens is when you enter into the promised land, you inherit those houses, you realize I got a giant house that's got some giant doorways, that's got some giant bed. You know, it's not just a king size bed, it's a giant bed. Mm-hmm. It's fit for a giant. It's mm-hmm. got some giant mm-hmm. TVs in it, you know, because you're you're talking about giants being in the land. So these things were built to house those giants and that when those children of Israel went in and dispossessed those and in, those inhabitants, they were going to inherit the things that giants had built and mm-hmm. giants had planted. And so it wasn't just going in and getting something, you know, uh, where I just get by or just enough mm-hmm. for me, but it was more than what I needed. It was a, it's giant houses and giant vineyards. And we don't realize sometimes that what God is bringing us into is not just something where we just get by, but it's something that is more than what we need. Mm-hmm. It's more than, you know, he, he, in other words, he's providing something for us. You know, it said that the scripture said that uh, the inhabitants were there to keep it until they arrived, mm-hmm. until the children of Israel arrived. And, but when they arrived, God was going to drive them out from before them. And so they were just going to dispossess them and inherit their, their possessions. And that's exactly what God is doing even in this new covenant. Because it's something that is, it's not just what I get by. It's something that giants have built. Mm-hmm. And that we begin to inhabit some things that are big, you know, and that are yep. bigger than our you know, I think the scripture says that I want to give you more than you can think or imagine, Mm -hmm. you know, and so what we are beginning to inherit and and, and really how we inherit that is really I always teach uh, where even in the book of of Revelation he begins to talk to the seven churches and he says you need to repent and I talk about that word repentance is the Greek word metanoia, simply means to change your mind and what really begins to change our mind is when we, are. what really begins to cause us to inherit some things and begin to walk into this is when we begin to have a repentance. And not just from where I get down, I weep and cry and ask God to forgive me, but begin to change my mind about what God is bringing me into. The mindset of the people that believed the, the report of the 10 was that we're grasshoppers in our own eyes. We'll be in theirs so and we can't do this. But a repentance has to take place where we believe, hey, I am well able to take this. I believe it was uh, Caleb, He was 40 years old when he went and spied out the land and said, come back and said, we're able to do this. When he went into the promised land of Joshua's day, he was 80 years old. And when the first thing he does, he says, there was a place where the giants lived. And he said, I am just as strong at 80 years old as I was at 40. And he says, I'm ready to go up there and take my possession. What he did was he went up there and began to dispossess and and fight some giants. Mm -hmm. And so at 80 years old, I think it, you know, being 41 myself, you know, and thinking, boy, you know, <laughs> it'd be you know, fighting a giant at my age probably wouldn't have been as easy as it was when I was in my 20s, but you think about somebody in their 80s going up and saying, you know what, I'm going, I'm going to go fight some giants, I'm going to take some giants. That means there was a different mindset, a different way of thinking that Caleb had than the people mm-hmm. that died in that wilderness, and somewhat that's what we have to begin to do is begin to have a repentance, mm-hmm. especially in the Church of America to begin to change our mindset about what God wants us to have and how he does that. In other words, how we dispossess some things. Yeah. You know, and begin to inherit some things that He promised us that are not for, you know, matter of fact, the writer of Hebrews says, Blessed is he who calls it today. Yeah. You know, we begin to call it today rather than someday. Yeah. You know, we're on the verge of something. Yeah. We're on, we're about to get this. This is about to take place. That's our mindset rather yeah. than begin to say, what if today is the day yeah. that heaven invades earth? What if today's today? I began to walk in the promises of God. What if today is the day that, that my healing takes place, yeah. you know, instead of waiting for some meeting or some, you know, uh, superpower preacher yeah. or some event to come and, and lay hands on me, begin to realize that, you know what, he, he, he took the stripes upon His back so that I might be healed. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that healing is the children's bread, and that's not for someday, but that's for today and really begin to have a repentance and change our mind. You know, like I said, we're talking about this, this 11th chapter of Hebrew. And again, to me, it it pictures the monument that that Joshua had those 12 stones stacked up on the the other side of the Jordan and said, when your children ask what means these things, it will begin to build their faith to say, you know, God brought us out of the Egyptian bondage. He brought us through the wilderness with great miracles of, of rocks bringing out water and bread falling from heaven. And he did that in a wilderness, and that wasn't the promised land. But now that we're living in the promised land, how much more does God want to do for us? And how yep. much more does God yep. want to shower the blessings yep. upon us? And really, I believe we really need to have a real repentance in the Church of America to begin to think about, you know what, if God, you know, if we are really living in a new covenant and Jesus is ruling and reigning right now, He is King of kings and Lord of lords right now, He's not going to be, He already is. Then how much more that if God did these things for these guys? How much more as sons, see these guys were servants, yep. but how much more as sons does God want to pour out His blessings upon us today? Yeah. And see, the, I think that's really the repentance God wants to bring Absolutely. us to this day is where we begin to change our mind and realize, uh, you know, really who we are, our true identity yep. and begin to live
1: out of that identity Absolutely. and
0: start putting it off till tomorrow.
1: Yeah. Well, I think, you know, while you were saying that, you know, they were eating giant food. Mm-hmm. They were building giant houses, but you, like you already said, they were there keeping the land for these people. So the real giants were on the way. And they may not have, you know, they, they had a grasshopper mentality and had 40 years to wander around and lose that grasshopper mentality. But like you said, Joshua and Caleb were some from another generation that said, hey, I'm 80 years old, but I can still take this mountain. You know, we were in uh, church the other night on Wednesday night, and uh, uh, they were talking about Daniel. But Daniel, you know, you don't think about him being the age he was. But when he was cast into the lion's den, he was 80 years old, approximately 80 years old. So, you know, there's still some pioneers, you know, that are, uh, you know, uh, calling it today. And and that's the whole shift, even from Hebrews here, is that, You know, our only shift to enter the Promised Land is in our thinking Mm -hmm. because we were not born in the wilderness. We were really born in Zion. We were born in the new covenant. And so some of ours is just, you know, what, you know, Joshua said this even to, uh, after they were there a little while, he said, how long will you not possess your possessions seeing that the land is subdued before you? And you could say that again to people who would be listening, how long are we going to wait to possess our possessions? You know, and once again, see, sometimes I think, and, and we—it just—it's just such a passion to me to preach this, but we—we we, we just keep, you know, most the American church at least thinks that their promised land is heaven, yeah. And certainly they're going to go to heaven. But see, the real gospel, even the the gospel of the kingdom—Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John—the gospel of the kingdom is not about there. It's about this world stuff. Yeah. It's about living in the kingdom right now. It's about living in the promises of God right now. It's about eating giant food right now. See, a procrastinator is somebody who won't take now for an answer. And so we keep on waiting on stuff. And, you know, really, it's really a tragedy that here we are in 2018, and we have to fight about whether or not we're under the old covenant or the new covenant. I mean, it's just, to me, it's like, well, we got to move on beyond this. You know, if you want to wander in the wilderness your whole life, that's up to you. But I, I, I feel like, man, it's time to put our feet on some stuff. Yep. It's time to possess it. Yep. Got you a few know, more even, minutes. You know,
0: you talk about Joshua's day. There was uh, a tribe and a half that stayed on the other side of Jordan. They come over and they helped the people receive their promise, but they stayed on the other side. Yeah. And you know what? Joshua said, that's fine. If that's what you want for you possession. you want to stay on the other then, side, it's your progress. <laughs> that, that's okay with you. But you still have to begin to let people, you have to go over, send your fighting men and help the people that want to receive this promised land yeah. get their possessions. Yep. You know, and I think, you know, and I think even as you were saying that, that just hit me that, you know what? That's fine. I believe there are places that maybe they're happy where they are. And that's fine if you want to stay on that side of the Jordan, and that, that's your possession. Yep. And that's and, and nobody going to fight you on it. Nobody going to look down upon you for it, but you still have to begin to get behind some people that want to receive something more than just that side of the Jordan. Yeah. And begin to begin to preach some stuff. You know, in other words, if you want to stay yeah, in a, in a in an old covenant mindset, that's okay. But you can't hold back some people that want to begin to receive Stop some stuff. Stop fighting the ones that are crossing. Stop over. fighting the ones that are crossing over, and begin to go and help them receive that. Mm-hmm. In other words, don't see them. We, we we look at each other almost. You know, we got so many churches in America that we see each other almost as enemies. Yeah. I mean, you know, you know, for, probably work better than I do. On Facebook, you've got all kinds of preacher friends and stuff like that, and it's almost a fight. And we. We should be brothers and sisters in Christ. Instead, we're fighting each other rather than fighting the giants in the land. Yep. You know, we're, we, we want to fight over doctrine rather than begin to re- see heaven manifest itself on earth. You know, in other words, if, if we're waiting for some day, why not still make today a good day? In, in other words, you know, if, if we're waiting for Jesus to return and make things better, should we still not be working in the earth to make things better that when Jesus comes back, and begins to establish some stuff that at least we've done some work we've already laid some groundwork rather Mm -hmm. than just let it all go to hell in a handbasket Mm -hmm. almost you know and and begin and and begin to see that there's something more that that god really wants to do not someday but right now and begin to receive the promise of heaven right now
1: Mm -hmm. now i I, you know i would hate to be uh, you know uh, the 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 tribe and a half that stayed on the other side of jordan i mean I, i understand you know, and I'm, I agree with you what you're saying, but one day your children are going to wake up and say, Mom and Dad, why aren't we living over there in the promised land? And you're going to have to say, it's because we chose yeah. to live like this. Yeah. Because the choice is yours. You know, the audience that's listening to us, I mean, the choice is yours. You can choose to live in the promised land right now. What's that mean? That means you have chose to live your life in Christ. Because Christ is the fulfillment of the promised land. Hebrews 4 said, let us therefore enter in, Uh, He let us therefore fear lest the promise be left us of entering into His rest. He is the giant house. He is is the the giant house. He is the giant food. He is the giant everything. And uh, I mean, He is the big, the big Mm -hmm. deal. And I think we've got to stop with the reports, even as we look at the news and we're like, oh man, it's really getting bad out there and we're about to, fall apart. In, in, and the truth of it is, man, we're living better than we've ever lived. And that's really the truth of it. We live in this this century and we we think, you know, uh, you know, trial to us is when one of our three cars ain't running right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, uh, we, we need to wake up and realize there's some stuff that we have and that we possess. Uh, you know, we're about to run out of time, but we're going to continue this conversation. But before the program ends, I just want to uh, let you know that, you know, we, we do have a lot of stuff that you can Uh, get by way of product from our website. If you simply go over there, uh, several of my books are there. Unforced Rhythms of Grace has a lot in it about uh, the promised land called rest. Uh, The newest one I wrote, From Law to Grace, uh, deals with the whole transition from the whole law mentality into the new covenant. And we talk about even in this book. We talk about that pile of stones that Jeremy was talking about because Jesus got in the River Jordan with John and was baptized. Then there's the revelation of Jesus Christ. Go to the website, call the number on the screen if you'd like to sow seed into the ministry. And join us again next week at the same time. God bless you.
0: The word repentance means to change your mind. The message of John the Baptist and of Jesus was to repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is accessed by a change in our thinking. If you are in outer darkness, there is weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. That reality is not always out in the distant future. It is in people's lives right now. One simple mind shift can move you out of darkness and weeping and into light and rejoicing. God wants to wipe all tears from our eyes and replace our weeping with joy.